Hello, and welcome to the Vibrant MD podcast, where we talk about weight loss, uh, women's health, and healthy eating. Hello, my vibrant friend. I'm so happy you're here with me today. I have a friend of mine on the podcast today. This is Dr. Stacy Devine. She is a, a family doctor and integrative medicine doctor. I know her because uh, we went to residency together back in the day at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center in St. Margaret's Hospital. Um, my best memory of Stacy was there were all these rumors that two of the interns were dating each other secretly. <laughs> and that was Stacy. And she's, she's still with that guy. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Stacy. She is actually triple board certified in family medicine, lifestyle medicine, and integrative medicine, and has really moved on to doing a lot of integrative work which is helpful for most people. I'm always sending people to an integrative medicine doctor. I think actually everyone should see one every few years, but almost any disease process can be helped by more lifestyle and um, integrative medicine modalities. So it's, um, it's, I'm super happy to have her on here. Hi, Stacy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's terrific to have this conversation. So the reason I actually wanted to have you on the podcast was um, that we have that in my weight loss program, we do use eating windows sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where people might eat for, you know, be decide they're going to eat for eight hours. And then for the next 16 hours, they will fast or, or we use different kinds of eating windows. So as I was looking at the science on those for weight loss, I started finding other things as well, like you can decrease your cholesterol by eating an eight hour eating window. And then I found some things about breast cancer. And I know that, um, that uh, Stacy does work with people um, thriving after breast cancer. So that's why I wanted to have her on the podcast. And I thought that, um, that my listeners would enjoy hearing about this. Um, the reason is that you know, as doctors, we love to read our studies, but then we also love to go find each other and say, how are you, how are you using this with mm -hmm. people, with your clients, with your patients? And um, so, so that's really terrific. So uh, tell me about um, eating windows, Stacey, uh, with breast cancer, after breast cancer. Sure. So there was actually, um, there's been some pretty cool lifestyle studies. So definitely lifestyle is an area for breast cancer survivorship that sadly is really not taught, um, by a lot of oncologists. Um, many of them don't have training in that. So that's part of it. But, um, but I feel that there's definitely a lot that women don't know about this and how it really can impact their, their level of recurrence. And that's something that most of them care very much about. Um, so what they've done is they've looked, there were some studies that were looking at eating behaviors. And when they looked through the data, they actually went back and kind of said, Hey, well, is there a difference in outcomes with these women with breast cancer? If we look at are people eating less, you know, overnight, uh, versus people that are eating kind of late at night. And so what they decided to do is look at the, some of these eating windows, um, how this study broke it up was basically by 13 hours. So if someone fasted more than 13 hours or less than 13 hours. And that's the two groups that they really kind of compared. And they found that the women that fasted less than 13 hours had a 36% higher 
chance of a breast cancer recurrence, which is phenomenal, really. So it's something that, um, you know, is, is pretty easy to teach. So instead of obviously some people really, you know, we do have to do work with diet and other areas of their lifestyle, but this is something that literally they could implement that night. Um, they can start that day and just say, Hey, am I trying to stop eating, um, and try to have that fast overnight for at least 13 hours. And so for a lot of women, that's something that's really empowering because it gives them some Something that they can control. And it, like I said, the data about it was, was pretty impressive. Um, so I think it's just something that it's sad that many women don't know about that data, but, but it is out there. I'm, I'm blown away by 36%. I mean, a lot of yeah. times we're looking at studies and we're like, oh, this is so good. 10% better. Or um, in a lot of things, I mean, I think the cholesterol data was the, the one I looked at, the study I looked at was like 25% data, which I thought mm -hmm. was, that was good. I mean, 36% is a lot. Yes, it is a lot. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> so, so I think that's what's hard. I think in conventional medicine, I, I feel that obviously we were both trained in conventional medicine. I, I definitely believe it. I think the strength of integrative oncology is really, we're trying to make it even better for the patient. So we're trying to put like everything together for them. So we use that conventional oncology, but then we also add some of these strategies. And really I tell patients, it's almost like stacking the deck in your favor. We're going to try to give every, every tool that we have in the toolbox to help really improve outcomes. Um, and I think that study, the other interesting thing is um, some of the other things that came out of that for these women were that um, they actually slept better too. So um, one of the big side effects a lot of breast cancer survivors deal with is actually insomnia. So it's actually a very common side effect after treatment, especially women that have had chemo. Um, they can that. have long-term yeah. insomnia. Um, and I think that sleep and, and, and diet and food, obviously there's definitely this interplay with kind of our circadian rhythms and how uh, we eat um, and things like that. And um, it was interesting that the recurrence data really, it, it didn't affect their BMI. So it wasn't because of the weight that we think that, uh -huh. that it was, but they were sleeping better. And they also noticed that um, their A1Cs were better. So definitely for blood sugar control. Um, and that's another area for breast cancer recurrence that definitely there's some data on. So that women that have higher A1Cs or blood sugar issues um, tend to have worse uh, outcomes for, for mortality and for recurrence rates. So um, there's a lot of factors that really kind of interplay here, I think, and um, you know can really uh, look at that. But um, I think the other thing that you highlighted was that was the cholesterol, because that's something. So again, a lot of breast cancer survivors don't know that they're at increased risk of heart disease. So, um, part of it, because there's some overlapping risk factors, but also because of some of the treatments that we use for breast cancer actually increase their cardiovascular risk. So, uh, by wow. doing this window, not only are we going to potentially look at recurrence for breast cancer, and that's kind of what I, when I talk to patients about is we really want to look at all of you, right? So we want to not just treat your breast cancer. We don't want you to go on and, you know, not have breast cancer recurrence, but also not have a heart attack in seven years, uh, which is definitely yeah. some of the risk of some of the long-term treatment risk is uh, that increased risk of cardiovascular outcomes. So, um, do so I do, I think these, Stacey, do they know mm -hmm. why they have that increased risk of cardiovascular disease? Is it related to cholesterol or is it just unknown. So they do what? think some of the overlapping risk factors. So definitely, um, you know, weight is one of them. Um, there definitely are some other, I think inflammation is probably a big one from, from both gotcha. 
aspects. Um, and that's one of the interesting things with uh, some of this time-restricted eating is they're actually looking at CRP markers as well, which is an inflammation marker. Um, and they do show improvements with that. So I think there's probably some underlying kind of overlap, um, but definitely like women that have had radiation to the left breast, um, we see more acceleration of plaque formation from that. Um, and then certain chemotherapies definitely can affect the heart as well. And so, um, so yeah, so I think there's, there's some underlying risks that basically we kind of have overlapping. And then we also have some additional risks because of the treatments. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess, you know, mm -hmm. I, that makes sense too, with the radiation to the left breast where your heart is. So obviously yeah. there's going to be some exposure there. It's interesting too, because even like sleeping and blood sugar and some of these things are you know, when we talk about inflammation, it's nice that we can measure some of these markers because there's a lot of factors that go in, don't you think? Yes. Oh, definitely. And I think yeah. that's why, I think that's why the integrative approach is so helpful is because typically in medicine, you know, we're taught to kind of separate everything into different systems. And then sometimes you'll see different specialists for each of those things. Right. Um, or, you know, and someone's just kind of looking at each of those as an individual issue or individual problem. Mm -hmm. And really the body doesn't function that way. You know, sleep right. affects <laughs> this and, and then this affects something else. And so uh, we, we all are all interconnected. And so that integrative approach when someone really is looking at the whole picture is, is, is so effective. Cool. Can you talk a little bit more about what people do in your program? I know that it's um, going to be launching, uh, that'll be opening up again in the end of mm -hmm. January to tell people a little bit about what happens there. Sure. So basically what I do, I tell people, um, I think there's a great way that one of my uh, professors from my integrative fellowship explained it. He said that cancer is like a weed and that the oncologist's job is to treat the weed. It's our job to tend, tend to the garden, to make the soil as inhospitable as possible to the growth and the spread of the weed. So that's our job is, yeah, it's really, I think it's because of this picture. So, you know, that's my job is really to, again, help patients um, really kind of get some of that inflammation under control, look at their insulin, talk about the data about recurrence, about some of these other things that we can incorporate like time-restricted eating or eating windows, specific foods, um, you know, all those types of pieces, uh, nutrition, um, exercise, how do we get their sleep better if so many of them have insomnia? And obviously that's going to be an additional risk mm -hmm. then for heart disease too. So, you know, how do we put all those pieces together? So basically my course has been developed with my experience with working with one-on-one -on -one patients, but also based on the, the survivorship gu guidelines that are published. So I basically went through those and just made sure that my course kind of incorporated all of that based on the evidence that we have from lifestyle medicine and integrative medicine and even conventional medicine and kind of put it all together um, and, and kind of help these women kind of go through this really comprehensive survivorship program. Well, I love that because, you know, you talked about having the power to do something yourself and even just going back to your metaphor, I can just picture that so many times when you have something wrong, you're going in and you're like, please just spray my weed. Yeah. But then you go home and you're like, I'm sitting in my garden and, and there should be something I can do. And there are so many things people can do right for themselves. And yes. Yeah. And I do think that's such a, you know, fear of recurrence is, is kind of its own separate, separate thing. And it's super common for these women. Um, and I do feel like our, the way our system is set up, we do kind of take that, um, we kind of take that power away from patients. You know, we kind of say like, 
we'll just yeah. take this medication and just do this and you're going to be fine. Meanwhile, most of these women kind of, they want to know like, well, what could I do? Is there something I should be doing? Yeah. They want to help if they can. Um, but a lot of times they're, they're not told the evidence of what's out there. So, um, so I think it does in a lot of ways, give them that some of that power back that maybe has been taken away by a cancer diagnosis. And so I think from a lot of standpoint, um, women that have gone through my program say that's usually one of the best things they have is that they've gone from this state where they felt really fearful and just kind of always kind of, you know, unsure of what was going to be coming next to this place of empowerment and really feeling like they have a, like an actionable plan to follow. Right. And I remember being a, um, a primary care doctor and, you know, you have the, the certain things that you know about in integrative medicine and, and other things that you don't at all. And I remember people coming back from their oncologists and they just be like, I'm done. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. okay, you know, so what are you doing now going forward? And, and they're like, well, I'm done. I have my treatment and, and I'm, you know, I would talk to them about nutrition because that was always one of my passions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but there's just so much more, you know, and there is there's so, much so much more, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that they can do. And, and, and if they, you know, if they want to, they should do it really to, uh, right. like you right. said, stack the deck in your favor, make it as good as possible. Right. And I think from that, uh, you know, recurrent standpoint, there's definitely a lot we can do, but for so many of these women, quality of life issues come into play as well. A lot of these women, especially if they're on hormone blocking medications, now some of the data for them, they're on them for some, some of them 10 years. So uh, that's a long time to have side effects um, and quality of life issues. And so, um, and again, a lot of them are kind of told like you either take this drug or you don't like, they don't give them kind of any help through that. And so same thing, there's some really good evidence out there from integrative oncology of approaches we can use to help minimize those, you know, those side effects and really help improve their quality of life as well. So it's not even just about recurrence. It's also about just improving the quality of their life. That's terrific. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about how I use, um, eating windows in with, in my weight loss program. The funny thing is I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know, 13 hours off. That is easy. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's really not bad at all. That's sleep plus a couple hours, you know, if you you get eight hours, that's really not bad at all. Um, or, you know, if you don't eat in the, whatever your evening is, if you, you know, depending on what your work schedule is like, that's really not bad at all. I would say people in, in my program, uh, some of them will choose a 12 hour window, but many choose eight. Um, People also in my program, just to let, just to be clear, don't choose eating windows because some people don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the um, some of the weight loss data for eating windows is eat whatever you want for eight hours and then and then don't eat for the other sixteen. We tend to um, use more of a choice of meals in that eating window, and mm-hmm. and part of that I think we get better weight loss results is mm-hmm. what, why people want to be in the program. But I personally like that because it makes it easier, um, to go through your 24 hour cycle. I find people, sometimes people are like, just eat crazy in those mm-hmm. eight hours. If they don't choose like three meals or two meals to eat in that time. And so then they're craving, um, and hungry and hangry and all those things in the time that they're not eating. And I think when we choose meals and use some healthy fats in there, um, it makes the fasting time really easy. People will tell me, well, you know, I'm, I might've had a little wave of hunger, but it went away and really 
I was like, oh, I saw the clock. It's noon. I should, I should eat my first meal. And they, and they really just make, you know, it makes it easy if you don't do it right. that way. Now the breast cancer data was pretty open though, right? For mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't that they didn't really look at the the actual kind of what they ate uh, during the time that I mean, there was other they used that study for lots of different other kind of side studies from it. This one, the one I'm uh, basically talking about with the recurrence data, really, that's all they looked at was what what did what did they do? Uh, was it yeah. under 13 or over 13? Um, but I do think it's interesting because there was something that said that, um, I believe it was with the CRP. So again, with that inflammation uh -huh. marker that, um, if women had more than, uh, I believe it was 30% of their calories after five, that was something that affected that inflammation more. So, um, you know, typically when I talk to patients about that 13 hour window, I try to get them to still not be like one of those kind of 8 PM. That's when the majority of my calories are coming in. Um, so we really still want to try to, you know, put kind of front load them in, in my opinion, just because of the inflammation markers, uh, because there have been some studies about the CRP again with breast cancer, as well as even like, again, cardiovascular risk, which is something that I definitely, you know, want to counsel them about. So I try yeah. to kind of have them shift that window, but yeah, it, it didn't have specific data about, um, how many times they were eating or anything like that throughout the day or the quality of their meals yeah. that was kind of looked at in other ways. They did look at like fruit and vegetable intake in a different study and things like that. So yeah. but for just for the recurrence, it was just the, the time restricted eating. So interesting. Mm -hmm. That makes me kind of want to look back again sometime at the nurses health study too, because I know a lot of them have shift time. So some of them, um, some of those women, you know, don't have the same choices on eating times. Right. Um, I'll have to go back and look at that. That's not, that would be interesting too. So, mm -hmm. well, thank you so much for telling me about that. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm blown away. 36% better. That is, that's big. That's, uh, it is. we don't usually get that kind of data in, in our medical studies. So. It is, it is. And if we had that with a drug, obviously it would be a blockbuster, right? So, I mean, I yes. think that's the thing too, is sometimes, you know, I feel like, you know, lifestyle um, and some of the stuff just gets kind of poo-pooed a lot of times. And really it's like, you know, this, this data might be better than some of the drugs out there. So, um, yes. you know, I, I hate discounting it. So I do think, um, it's really, you know, something that should be shared far and wide. Right. Right. And if it's a 13 hour window, it's also not a difficult thing. I mean, what? sometimes we do ask people say, well, you have the choice to do this difficult thing. And, mm -hmm. and this is not, this is like, you have the choice to do something that's pretty easy and yeah. it gives you a lot of results. Yes. So, agree. That's cool. Well, please tell everyone how, um, how they can find you and your program, um, because I know there's people that are going to want to want to know about it. Yeah, sure. The easiest way is just to go to my website. So it's um, Thriving After Breast Cancer, which would be www.thrivingabc.com is, is the abbreviation for that. Um, and you can go and just sign up on my email list. There's also a wait list for my course. The course currently right now, I only offer it twice a year. Uh, so um, definitely want to get on that wait list if it's something that you're interested in. But definitely um, I send out a weekly email and I always send out topics that are specific for my breast cancer thrivers. And if there's new studies coming out, I'd like to let them be aware of some of those, some of that data that's out there. So love to love to see you on my list. Great. And I know that we're, of course, we record this in advance, but we'll be, this will be published on Dr. Devine's birthday. So happy birthday, Stacy! Thank you. <laughs> in advance <laughs> to your future self. Thank you. Um, and the, and the course will open in January though, right? So that is correct. Yeah. So when so you hear this, opening. definitely 
go mm -hmm. in, get on the list because then you'll get all the information about when it's opening and, um, and that will be soon. So you don't even have to wait. Yes. And I will actually be doing some master classes. We call those uh, some free talks in, in January, end of January, right before my course opens. Um, I actually talk about that, that study a little bit in there, but I have some other uh, research that I like to present during that just to kind of under, have people understand some of more of these survivorship issues. So that will be there. So if you want to sign up for that, you'll be able to see the link for that as well. Cool. Cool. So more free information or information yeah. on the course. Correct. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. It's been really nice to share this conversation. And um, I didn't even have to look up the breast cancer data because I got my friend Stacy. I can just ask her. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great. And thank you everyone who, who listened today. And I hope you have a terrific day. And now it's time for a commercial. So I am Dr. Heather Awad and I help professional women lose weight for the last time. I, today I want to share that, uh, that my course and program are actually opening soon as well. We only do this uh, three times a year, so it will not be opening again until May. And let me tell you a little bit about my program. You know, I had lost and regained weight uh, a number of times. And then I, kept, then I started meeting these uh, women physicians who had lost weight and kept it off for a year or six years or many years. And... Um, and so I kept asking people, what did you do? What did you do? And I started reading the science behind it. And I, and I thought, this is, this is it. This is the thing because it uses your natural hormonal systems. Um, and I did not use eating windows when I did it uh, because I was not interested in that. But that is a tool that some people in my program use. Now, I, the reason I want to tell you that I'm so excited about this program, I, I do it with professional women. And the other thing I found out when I was researching this hormone system of weight loss with no supplements um, was uh, I found some programs that women physicians were teaching other women physicians to do this through an online course. And I'll tell you what, they um, actually verified that they were really doctors if you signed up and they kicked people out because People want to know this, right? You want to know how to lose weight for the last time. You want to know how to use your regular, to eat regular food that you like and use your natural hormone systems to um, easily lose weight, um, get back to a normal weight or go to one that you've never been at before. Um, so anyway, my website is vibrant-md.com. You can go in there and sign up for my weight, my weight list, um, but we are opening uh, we'll be opening the course this next weekend and we start next week on Monday. So if you are interested, please go in there and, and sign up and I look forward to meeting you all. Thanks very much.